sing that song correctly, you can't view yourself as a spectator. You know, he said, they'll be shouting. You know, there's not going to be a bunch of people watching. They'll all be shouting. <laughs> Let me ask this question. What will you do when you realize you're over there, when you'll have no more temptations, when you've had no more troubles? Oh, hallelujah. That'll be worth it all. Glory to God. And on the heels of our report in Guatemala, glory adios. <laughs> God bless you. Good to be here in the service tonight. Just a couple of quick announcements. There's a youth meeting this Friday, and that's being held at the Blanchards. So I think young people are all in sync with what's going on. And God bless you. Looking for a good time there. And uh, both just to be together, to be outdoors. Also have a little singing, a little worship, a little fellowship, and uh, do all of that together. So that's on Friday. Then on Sunday, this is a long weekend, so I need to apologize. First of all, I should have made this announcement earlier. The long weekend came upon me quicker than I realized, but it is a long weekend, and it is summer, so we're going to do one service on Sunday morning. And so if you want to make plans beyond that, and again, I apologize for not letting you know sooner, but that is normally what we do. So if you're planning for that. Um, also, just a quick note from Brother Andrew. He indicated to me that they had meetings in Ethiopia in the capital, Addis Ababa, and he said that it was among uh, Brother Tim preached, and Brother Andrew, I think, was participating as well, but he said the services, he said that was the best he ever heard Brother Tim preach, so that's saying something. 
And then, and uh, so I don't know if he was texting it while his dad was watching or whatever he was doing, but at any rate, he said it was wonderful. They're traveling into the countryside this week, and he's got a number of services upcoming. We keep him in prayer. Uh, everything I'm hearing and looking as, as, as ministers are going into the fields and the different places, I believe God is doing something. And uh, we're in a season. You know, the Bible promised there'd be a short, quick work at the end. So whatever God needs to do, we want to be part of it. We also just want to remember our sister Lydia Wild. She's still in the hospital. Um, they are. There's some, some sort of effects from the stroke that the doctors can't uh, or aren't dealing with. And they are giving her what's called comfort care. And uh, so that, that's kind of setting her into a little different place. But we remember her. We remember the family. It's a strain upon them. So we, we just want to keep them in prayer. As we just bow our heads and we just, uh, let's just sing the song, God Still Moves, God Still Moves. And we're just going to bow in a word of prayer. And if you have a need tonight, you know God is here. And, um, you know, even in this service, God can just speak directly to your need. Now, I don't know your need. And I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not pretending that I've got all the answers, but God knows. And if we just want to pull on Him tonight, can we do that? Let's sing this. Oh, God still moves. God still moves. In the hearts of His people, God still moves. He does not sleep. Does he slumber? God still moves. God still moves. One more time, if we can. God still moves. God still Father, coming into your presence, Lord, you have promised that you would be here. Lord, you've always been God. You always will be God. You don't sleep. You don't slumber. But Father, tonight as we've come into this place, Lord, the only thing that would limit us from seeing you and hearing you would be our faith. So Lord, we're asking as the word would come forth, Lord, that you would begin to bring faith to our hearts. Lord, faith for the hour that we live in. 
faith for our situations. Lord, you're the high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Lord, as we put requests out, hands were raised, hearts were raised. Oh God, we need you. Lord, we're looking beyond the operation of man, beyond the wisdom of man, the emotion of man. Lord, we're looking to you, oh Father, the spirit of lights. Lord, the spirit of God, we ask that you would come into this service. Lord, we pray first as we come, forgive us our shortcomings. Lord, we've all made mistakes from the pulpit right down to the pew, every one of us. But Father, we love you. And Lord, we want to serve you. So we bring our vessels before you. And Lord, we're asking tonight, minister to us. Let our gathering not be in vain. But Lord, give us something for the journey. Lord, you're the God that helped Elijah along the way, that helped Moses along the way, that helped Abraham along the way. You gave them a covenant. You would never leave them nor forsake them. Lord, we believe that tonight. And on this Wednesday, we're asking you, minister to us, O oh God. Father, we commit ourselves to you and every hand that was raised, every need that was lifted up. We pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your worship, for the singing. Thank you, Brother John, for the songs that were sung. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45. We'll read this from verse 18 down to verse 22. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 45. And uh, I've got a number of thoughts I'd like to draw out of this. And I'll just try and be brief. We'll move it along. And we'll let you be on your way, but we want to just give God his place, his time in this service tonight. So, Reading from verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, you that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image, and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell you and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath this declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seat. God is still on the throne. 
No matter what the opinion of man says, no matter what the nations say, no matter what the woke movement says, no matter what things are going on in the world today, God is God and He is God of the earth. And we're looking to Him tonight. We're not looking to ourselves. We're not looking to a movement. The message and the Bible are one. The message we believe is God to the earth in this generation. And we believe that He is here. Now I want to speak this evening, and I took a couple of Wednesdays ago, I spoke on, on, on the hidden potential. I want to speak on seeing the potentials. And I want to speak, if I can, as a subject or a focus, a focused vision. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So a little bit of this will be looking and, and what we're focused on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And the Bible would say these words, and you know the Scripture. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, so we're looking at something. It's not hidden, but God has made it known to us. And, and as it's being made known to us, our eyes open. And if, you, if, you're, if you're a church A, if you're a message reader of the church age book, Brother Adam would talk how as the ages are opened, our eyes are illuminated, and with great amazement we look and we see things. Now, we can take it for granted, but we are seeing things that the world cannot see. And I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm not talking about retaining something that's in a book, but it's actually living and breathing. It's a part of what you live your life by. When I go to work in the morning, I am not looking with a long-term goal. When I'm driving down the road, I'm not just looking to, as, you know, we have to live in this world and focus, but I'm looking for something greater. There's, a, there's something that has captured my vision. So we with open face are beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord. And it is glorious. We have a vision seeing all of the span of time and we see something unfolding. There's parts that are hidden and unfolding, but it's glorious and we're a part of it. So it said as we look, as we have an open face, it says we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there's something about how we look, that as we look on it, it changes us. And, and, and I think it's very important, like scientists are only beginning to discover the things that are happening in the generations come, because we've never had a generation, it was in the 1950s that television was invented, but it really wasn't in the homes until the 60s, and not in every home, but there was movie theaters, there was televisions, but we now have it move from movie theaters to televisions to now where it is available on any device and anywhere, and there is a whole generation that is being formed by what it looks at. And the devil knows this, and Hollywood knows this, and it is forming and shaping a people. But there's also a people that have had a, a message. Now the message, 60 years, was this year that the seals were, were broke, they were open, and they're open not to everyone. 
but they're open to us and they're not open just to our brains. But they're open to our hearts and there's something that's happening that we're not even understanding or comprehending, but it's also changing us. I, I don't know about you, but I am not looking at the message the same way I looked at it five years ago. And when I look at the world, I'm looking today through the eyes of this in a greater way. And I'm being changed. And I believe we're all being changed. Second Corinthians in, in verse 3, let's just jump over to verse 4, verse 16. So it says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. So there's a whole outward th something that's happening. So it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I'm, I'm going to just use this example for a moment. You just being overseas on a couple of trips, and you go there, and you know, as you get older, it's not so easy to travel two days in a row and then recover and be on your feet and just be going. And so there's something about travel. If you look at it and, and you know, you, you get squeezed in a seat and you're with people that that are around you for hours at a time, and, you know, there's screens, there's all kinds of things, and then you come to a country where maybe the roads aren't in the best shape, there's rough driving, the conditions, it's warmer than you think, and there's a lot of things. If you look at just that, you'd never go. And, and so sometimes when you come back and, you know, come back from that and, and, and I give a report, and there's two, two kinds of reports you give, and there's one which is the spiritual side of things, but then there's the other, you know, this is what happened, that's there. But you, you can put up with a lot of things if you focus in on the right thing. And to focus in on the right thing, which is the souls and, and the love of God, you don't look at maybe the food that you had to eat or, or the upset stomach or this or the medication you had to take or the things you endured or the rough roads or these things, but you're focused on something and it, and it has the ability to blank everything else out. So when I, when I give this report, sometimes I have to give it in a twofold manner, one that which which they all want to know, well, how was the meeting? How was this? And how was that? And then they're asking, well, how were the people? And how was the food? And so it's a different type of focus. And, and that's part of the picture, but there's a focus to where we're going here. So he says, but we look at the things which are eternal. Now, go with me to also Hebrews chapter 11. I'm trying to move this to something I want to get to. So Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. I'm just going to pick a couple of verses. Num verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So he was warned of God. Now, look at the part that has to do with vision. Of things not seen as yet. But he, he received what God sent him as though it was present, and he began to move, knowing that something had struck his heart. 
So we don't wait for things to happen, but we, we are catching something, and it begins to move us before it actually happens. That's faith. Now, verse, verse 8 and 9 here. It, verse 8 and 10 I'll read, actually. Let's just read. We'll read. Yeah, we'll just read. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place which after he should receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Now, that sounds like a lot of road trips we've gone on. Uh, because, you know, my wife would say, do you know where you're going? I'd say, yeah, well, it's in this general direction. You don't know where you're going. I said, yeah, I, I, I have an idea. But you're scared to ask, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. I don't want to ask because I'm a man and I can figure things out. And so that's just a, it's a weakness that men have. You might think it is. But, you know, it always works out. She said that to me. She said, it always works out. So he went not knowing whether he went. He didn't have GPS, but God just says, go, walk, start walking. And by faith, he started walking. So we're on a journey. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I'm, I'm moving. I'm walking. God told me to go. I'm stepping out. And so he would say this. Now in verse 10, it says, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. So he met the king and, and because he met the king, he knew that there was a kingdom, there was a city. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this from uh, that, a message Brother Branham spoke, and, and it was out of looking to the unseen. Abraham never looked at what his eyes would see, which, as Brother Branham says in this quote, an old wrinkled woman many years past the time of life to have children. So that was part of what he was looking at. But he looked to the unseen, and he saw Isaac. By faith he saw Isaac. And after he looked to the unseen, he called those things which were not as though they were. He caught a glimpse of the unseen. By faith he saw it. The Bible said he, he saw it. So now it says, not only did Abraham see the unseen, the reason he believed it was because God said it. So where did Abraham get his influence, or where was, as the Bible said, and Abraham was fully persuaded. Who persuaded him? God did. Because God said, out of you will come a great nation. Many nations. So God was the first one to call him the father of nations. When he as yet was married to a woman that never had a child with, God called him the father of nations. God told him that he would have a seed after him. God sold him those things. So Abraham would begin to listen and he'd begin to believe what God said. I am a father of nations. I am this. Because God declares things as though, you know, he doesn't see what he's looking at right now, but he's looking at something inside. That's called potential. He sees it in you. And, and that potential, so he would speak it. He's the same one that spoke to Gideon. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's looking around. Did he, who's he talking to? Yeah, he's talking to me. And so God begins to prove it to him. So God is speaking as though he, he doesn't see it as though it's there yet. But it's there. And it takes a time and a season to bring it out. So not only did Abraham have to see something. So in other words, 
God would not present a picture to Abraham if there wasn't a picture to walk into. So God presented the picture. Now, if God never wanted Abraham to walk there, he never would have led him to believe something. But he presented the picture. And so the first time, and I, 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 really, I, I really have been, I, I really appreciated the play. And I really have thought about, you know, how we present the gospel. You know, do we present rules and regulations? Or do we present the living God that is actually in all of those things? Because rules and regulations without relationship leads to rebellion. If, if you're simply doing because I have to, I have to, there, there's no incentive in that. But the incentive is, ah, the living God, the true God, the one who made the heavens and the earth. He has presented a picture that I can walk into. And that picture, he's got an image for me. Oh, friends, that means everything. That's exciting. That's, that's the living God that we serve. And it, this message has potentials. So... God who persuaded Abraham. And it says, and Abraham believed it because God said it. So Abraham, he could not look to his body being dead, to Sarah being dead, but he took what God said above what he knew himself. Now, I know my failures. The devil knows my failures. He knows where I'm weak. He knows which buttons to push. But God also sees something greater than the devil sees. God's not just looking at my family history, not looking at the genetic weaknesses, not looking at the things that I was formed, but he's looking to something greater that was always there. And I believe we need to be able to see that. Now, it's not that you're imagining something. It's actually there and God wants you to see it, and we need to present it in such a way that we do see it. So, now listen to how, how Brother Branham, in this same quote, looking at the unseen. When a man once catches that vision of the invisible God. Now, part of this is not you looking to yourself and taking, you know, taking your aptitude test. Uh, uh, you know, and, and somebody, some psychiatrist telling you, well, you're going to have this and you're going to do this and you're going to, you know, that's not what it is. What we have is actually only activated by God and it's by seeing God because we're under a headship and under that headship all things are possible. The God that formed creation, the God that, that died on the cross for every sin, for every disease, that God is present. So this day all things are possible even in a Wednesday service to whatever God leads you to believe. It's available. But the devil is there to block it in any way he can. He will take and present and say, nobody's ever got healed of that. So it's not about us looking within ourselves. But it's looking at him. 
And when we see him and we see his promises, we see our part. We see our brother's part. We see the part we're to fulfill. Oh, oh, God has got it there for us. I was listening to the testimony of Brother Barry Coffey. And he, he traveled across the world when he was young. And, and went all the way through Rome and the Vatican and all these places. He was a devout Catholic. And God had to destroy the faith he had in the Catholic Church. And, and he did all of those things. And, and he actually even had a meeting with the Pope. Uh, after three days of walking around, they saw him. And they said, hey, would you and your friends like to meet the Pope? And, and, and he, he tells the story of how he came in and he thought he couldn't remember a single word that that guy said. And yet he was raised this way, couldn't, and he said he spoke in, in whatever it was, like 11 different, 13 languages. And, 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 he said, and he said, I couldn't remember the language he spoke in my language, because whatever it was, he said, I couldn't remember it. And, and, he, and, he, and he tells him, like, so here, here's a man, and you all know Brother Barry, but if you look at the picture, it was long hair, it was a renegade, smoking, it was all kinds of things. And he says, here he's there. He didn't know what was in him. And he comes, and he comes up to the Pope. And, and they, they told him, well, after you're done, there's an audience of about 100, 120 people. Afterwards, you can come up, and you can kiss his ring. And he says, I don't see the value in that. I says, what's that going to do? He'd gone to a place where there's supposed to be some spiritual rock in that, that flowing that Mary had touched in Lourdes, France. And he says he, he, he investigated after hours, and he looked, and there was a pipe underneath where the thing was coming. He says, it's not a spiritual rock. It's a man-made pipe. And he, and he says that just destroyed his faith. And then, you know, then he comes, and he, and he meets the Pope, and, he, and then only after did he hear Brother Branham say, he says, there's only two men that have never kissed the Pope's ring in his presence. One was Brother Branham, and, and, I, and, and I can't even think of the other one. was. And then, and then he says, but now there's three, because I never did it either. <laughs> he says, what made me stop that? He said, there was something there. I didn't even know it was there. And, and while he's traveling, he meets this professor who tells him, you know what, you're searching the world looking for something. When you get back home, they have an aptitude test. It'll tell you what you're going to be. And he says, it's one of the best in the world. So he came back and he went to the college that, that was there. And he says, I, I, I need to get this aptitude. Oh, it's expensive. He says, no, I need to know it. I need to know where I'm going. And he, so they, they sent him this, this aptitude best. He took the test and they said, well, you've done the test. You'll be one of two things. One is you'll be the president of the local council chamber, or you'll be a minister. <laughs> Throw that test away, he says. That'll be good for nothing. Guess what? He's a minister. But the test didn't bring it to him. God brought him to it. God has something for every one of us. You can read that. I, I just I, I listened to his testimony again. I was blessed. And I had to call him and tell him. And so we, we talked for a while. Anyway, he says, so that when a man catches the, envision, the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there is something that stabilizes that man's thinking. He said, it stabilizes his actions. In the time of distress and trouble, it will still make him look upward and above the things that are happening around him. And because he's looking at the unseen yet by a promise. Now, just taking this thought of the potentials and, 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 and everything, I, I want to just, my, i got to move along. I'm just not. Okay, let me, let me just move this. I'll come back to this. 
So God has this for us in this last age. I believe if you're called, nobody is called to be a part of this just because we need to fill in space. You are called because God has a place for you in this body. God, the God of heaven, designed it such that you were born in a family, that you were in a church. You might not have a testimony of going through Rome and over into all these eastern countries, but whatever that testimony is, it's just as great. God has called you to it. So, so we need to see, okay, if he's called me, what am I to do? Where am I to go? And, and while he's doing this, here is all hell against this revelation. The devil is doing everything he can to block your vision, to see where you're going, to take you away from it. So in a message going beyond the camp, Brother Branham says this, more and more I am made to believe the people are not getting to Christ. So he, he, would, he would say in, in, in going to camp, and he says, now, they're not getting to Christ. And I'm going to make a statement. As I look and preach across the nation, I'm persuaded that the people are not getting to Christ. I believe that it's the enemy that has thrown this hindrance. And the reason I believe it is he is not the object that they've been pointed to. Now, I, I, I'm going to take a little bit of time just with this. I'm not really going to get to the full meat of the service, but I feel I just felt to stop on this today. Because the reason is, he's not the object they've been pointed to. They've been pointed to a dogma, or a doctrine, or a party, or an experience, or a sensation, or something like that, instead of being pointed to Christ the Word. Brother Ed, we're in the message. That wouldn't happen within the message. Absolutely. The devil will try and use even what's around the message to cause confusion, to cause distraction, to cause you to be running to and fro, to be going from one place to the other, listening to this, listening to that. In the middle of all of that's going on around us, we need to hear one voice. We need to hear from God and God to you personally. You're coming to church tonight. If whatever brother was speaking, I trust your faith is the same. If it's Brother Ed, Brother Max, Brother Moses, any one of us, that God would speak to us. And if you come that way, you will get something that way. And I believe if you approach everything you do in life that way, you put God first, He will come to you. Now, Within the framework, now like in, I'm going to come to the world in a minute, but you can have rules, you can have a doctrine, you can have a certain preacher, you know, and you may have grown up, this is the preacher, this is the man, these are the meetings, this is when God's going to do it. Well, in, in doing that, if it's not looking at Christ and, and seeing him first, you can limit what God does to you. Now, all of these things are good. The, the word is good. The rules are good. The preachers are good. The meetings are good. It's all good. But you can't stop short of seeing him. Now, there, there's a man in the Bible, and I, I just, as I came to this today, I, I, I thought of it. And, uh, but Charles Spurgeon, this is one of the greatest ministers. I think one of the model 
pastors that ever was, was Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon was, he grew up, he, he had a religious background. His grandfather, I believe, he was always in the den, his father. And, and there was a snowstorm in 1850 in England. And he was trying to get to a meeting. And, and, and he couldn't get, so he, he pulled in at a little church. And the little church that he pulled in, it had about 13 or 15 people that day. And there was a minister that was supposed to come. He never made it. And so this, a poor man, a shoemaker, a tailor, he got up in the pulpit to preach. And he had just a simple text. And the text was Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He didn't even pronounce his words rightly, but that didn't matter because here is Spurgeon. He, had, he, he tried to fit in. He tried to do all these things. But as this man was ministering, a glimpse of hope started to appear in the service. And he began, says, my dear friends, this is a simple text. It says, look. Now that doesn't take a little, lot of effort. It ain't you lifting your foot or your finger. It means look. And it says, now, you don't need to go to college to learn to look. You, 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 you can maybe be the biggest fool, but you can look. And he says, a man can be worth a thousand a year to look, but he says, a child can look. And the text said, look unto me. And now he continued the text, and he continued it this way. And he started to paint a picture of Christ. Now, he says, look unto me. I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me. I'm hanging on the cross. Look unto me. I am dead and buried. Look, I have risen again. Look, I have ascended. I'm sitting at the Father's throne. Oh, look to me. Look to me. And he says he'd gotten to about that place. He'd managed to spin out about 10 minutes and he was sort of gone so far, and he just stopped, and he looked in the congregation, and he looked, and he said, young man, you look miserable. And he says, now, I did. He said, Spurgeon said, I was miserable. And he says, now, I was not accustomed to remarks like that being made from the pulpit. And he says, but it struck a good blow, he said. And you will always be miserable, in life and in, and in death, if you don't obey my text. But if you obey at this moment, you can be saved. And he said, as he did, as he shouted, and as Spurgeon says, as only a primitive Methodist can, however they shout, okay? Young man, look to Jesus Christ. And he says, there, at that moment, the clouds were gone, the darkness rolled away, and at that moment, I saw him. And he saw himself there. Friends, if we can see the message, it's not about trying to fit in this seal with that seal. The theme of the message is Christ. And if you can see Christ, you can be saved. If you can see Christ, you can not only be saved, you can be sanctified. If you can see Christ, you can be filled. You can be useful for the kingdom if you can see Christ. But you got to see him because he's the one that brings life to it. Spurgeon, and from that moment, his whole direction changed. 
Something brought it to life. Now, <coughs> the enemy. Now, I, I'm going to read this here because I, I, I want to take this just, just a little further. Brother Branham says, now, if you look out with your eyes right now, he says, you see that our, our nation is under shock, shaking and trembling. War clouds are everywhere. Every nation's distressed. But he commanded the church to lift up their heads in that day and to look up. So somewhere in the midst of this, when you read the news, I wonder if the fires are going to come nigh me. Just look up. And I, as I was thinking on the fires as they're affecting Brother Andrew and, and Brother Danny and Sister Rachel and different ones, and it just came back to me in the adoption series. Even if they do come, because you're looking to him. And I, I'd read in there, it says, and under the adoption, he says, you can speak. My crops are burning up. Just speak the word. Why? How does that come? Because you're looking at something. So look unto him. Focus your vision. Not just on the cross, but focus it on all that he is. And he, and he is everything. And he says, now, he says, if we can see that, if, if we only walk by sight, we're surely going to be children of darkness. I'm going to say, if you can be riding the intellectual part of this message, and you can be filled with gloom and doom. There's got to be, when Christ comes in, there's a hope that comes in your heart. There's, a, there's a, something ahead that, that's, that's there for you. And it's there for me. And it's there for our families. And we can walk into it. Now, I just need to go a step further. He says, now, a born-again person climbing up these atmospheres by faith. Listen how Brother Ram says it. He looks way yonder and he sees the omnipotence of God and calls every word a positive act. He is designed to climb. By prayer he moves on and on. Till he's up there. Now if he isn't designed to see. When he's up there he's merely just frolicking. Now we're, we're coming into the stratosphere. God gives us an eye to see afar off. That it's the father that it's his loving mercy to his children, his offspring. He's giving them a foretaste of something that's coming far greater. Potentials. Now I'm, I'm going to read here. I read in Hebrews chapter 11. I read in up to verse 10. I'm going to jump over to verse 27. This is Moses. Moses, he says, By faith he forsook Egypt... Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, this, this is amazing to me. Because, Brother Brian, when you heard the statement in the message, I'm just going to try and share the quote. He, he said, Pharaoh looked out of the same window that Moses looked out. Now, Pharaoh saw a bunch of mud daubers slaves. Weak you know, they're just pawns in my kingdom. But Moses, before he ever met the pillar of fire, he looked out the same window and he had respect unto them. Now this, this potential was always in him. Now, now, you might be sitting here with potential. You might be gifted. You might have things. But, but you haven't fully come to the promise. So now you've got to start to focus in on it. You can't just look generally, well, there's something there, but what is there? 
And so we know the story. Moses actually ran from Egypt and such and such. Now let, let, let me take how Brother Branham said. Moses finally seen the victory. Why? He focused himself, though being a prince, though heir to the throne, he focused himself away from the lust of the world. He focused away from the beauty and the power that he had within his own potentials to receive. He focused that out until he saw a blessed people yonder by the promise of God. He focused it in because he knew that God promised Abraham he would visit his people. He knew that he was raised for a purpose and he focused it all out. Now, Brother Abraham says, Pharaoh did not have this potential. But Moses had this potential. Okay, go with me to James chapter 1. My, you're you're, you're really pulling well and you're taking me places I didn't expect to go, but that's okay. James chapter 1, <clears throat> let's, let's just take a few scriptures here. Let's start in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, if any of you lack wisdom... now. I'm going to try and present a little bit of a picture. I'm I'm coming to another scripture further down in the chapter. But what is it that the devil causes us to distract? Sometimes we look on a man or a minister and we get disappointed. And and I'll, I'll surely disappoint you at times. But I don't want to lift up myself. I don't want to lift up just our church. I want to lift up the Word of God. I want to lift up the principles of the Word of God. I want to put our faith in that, in the eternal one, as seeing him who's invisible. He's here in every service. Okay, so I, I want to focus on that. He's omnipotent. He knows my thoughts. Okay, well, it's, you know, there's nobody here with a gift of discernment. I should be okay today. Da, 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 da. No, I, I need to, we need to focus and say, he knows everything. He knows my thoughts right now. I'm, I'm in his presence right now. Let me be circumspect in this service. So, so if you lack wisdom, I, I, I'm not going to try and study more. I'm just going to come to the, the God who is the fountain of all wisdom. Lord, I don't understand what to do in this situation. But Lord, within you is everything I have need of. In you is every, every situation, your divine knowledge, your, your science, and you're greater than science. So if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, as, as I just shared at the prayer meeting yesterday, the simplicity of faith, your child comes to you and asks you something. If you're a reasonable parent, you will have a feeling for your child. You'll have a feeling for him. Now, that principle multiplied by thousands, by millions. You're a child of God. You come to the Father. And you come honestly and openly. Lord, I don't know what to do. Show me. Lead me in your word. Speak through the minister. Direct me. You approach him that way. And I'll tell you, there's guaranteed results. Because you're looking at him. He's, he's the fountain of it all. So if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask to God. And now here's a principle that James says, who gives to all men liberally 
and he upbraideth not, it shall be given unto him. I, I would like to take a couple services on the attributes of God and, and just to show what we have as a father and, and all that's within him. If we could see it, everything in our life comes from him. Every good gift is from him. Everything in our lives is ordered by him. Oh, he's love, he's patience, he's goodness, he's all of these things. He's righteousness. He's every one of these things. So he says, it shall be given to him. So if you're looking at him correctly and you're asking correctly, there's something that opens up to you. So if you're looking at it, well, you know, nobody's ever climbed that far. I can never get that. So you, you've already limited who God is. But only believe all things are possible. So now he says, now verse 6, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth of is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, I, I could ask, if, if, if you don't put up your hand to this question, say, how many have been tossed to and fro? I, I've been tossed to and fro. There have been times I didn't know which way to go. And, and I would say, the enemy throws this at me, he throws that at me, and I'm in the middle of all of this, and I just say, Lord, I have no idea, and I'm looking to you that somehow you'll lead me through. Now, if, if it ever doesn't happen to you, and you can't have faith to raise your hand for that, and I, I really didn't mean for you to put pressure on, but the prophet himself was in a strait. I don't know which way to go. I'm lost on Hurricane Mountain. I think it's this way, but Lord, if I'm wrong, you stop me and lead me the right way. Paul came to that place. We'll all come to that place. But the enemy will throw something at you to try to block what God really has for you. So he'll do that. So here's Paul saying, you can be double-minded. Now, Brother Branham would actually say, he said, in spiritual amnesia, he say it's caught between two opinions. Now, I, I won't have time to go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20 to 21, but the nation had got caught by a Jezebel spirit that had dominated the land and brought all her prophets and caused all the people to be halt between opinions. But Elijah came and he brought everybody to a showdown and he said, how long will you be halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If he's not God, don't serve him. I, I believe that we need to put God on the throne in our minds, in our services. We need to exalt Him. We need to lift Him up. We need to blank out some things. We need to blank out some opinions and say, Lord, You're high and lifted up. You're the one we want to see. Now, so, now James will go on. He'll talk. I, I won't be able to read all of this. But he'll talk now about, let the brother of low degree. So sometimes you think, well, I'm lowly. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm this. Well, okay, that's not a place to dwell in. You might be, but every part of the body has some value. 
Okay, I can't do something that another part can. And, I, and I'm certainly not a prophet. I'm, I'm certainly not whatever you want to place you put me in. I, I'm just a, a servant somewhere here. So he says, don't stay in that place, but rejoice and you're exalted. And if you are something and you're brought down a little bit, that you're made low, say, oh, thank you. I'm just one of them. I, I'm not something special. And so James is talking that way in verses 9, 10, 11. Now he'll, he'll, he'll go a little further. I really, I'm going to just skip some of this because I'm running out of time. Verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So what the enemy will try to do is he'll say, yeah, God worked that way one time, but he's not working that way today. He'll try to present a different Jesus. That's what Paul encountered. That's the spirits that are in the world today. They'll say he's a different Jesus. He works in a different way. He's not the same. He is the same. If he ever was God in Genesis 1-1, he's God tonight in Edmonton in May of 2023. He is just as much God. If we can tap into that. And he is just as much God that he could create the worlds. He's just as much God that he could take a dead man that was dead in his body, Abraham and Sarah, and bring a promise to pass. He's God so much that he does the impossible. So the enemy will try to present something that changes. Yeah, well... I don't, I don't have time for this anymore. I, I think we can sometimes just say, well, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? I, oh, I, I, I just sometimes, I, I, there's sometimes so much negativity. And I say, Lord, why should I focus on the negative when the positive outweighs everything that's around us? All the naysayers that have risen up around the message, denying the message. And what's even worse is those that are just around the perimeter, always pointing at something. Listen, if you're going to be calling yourself part of the message, get in and support the message. Don't just be on the outside. And wherever you are, and I'm saying, this doesn't have to be this church. Find your place and serve God. So much commentary. Uh, social media is just given so much wing. anyway I, I just that's not really in my notes it just there's so many good things that we can focus on we have a good God Daniel 7 verse 25 this is the enemy brother Ethan just put this up Daniel 7 25 I think that was the next scripture I had and he shall seek, speak great words against the most high and shall wear out the saints of the most high and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until time and times and the dividing of time. So what's happening in the world around us? Here they're changing the definition of marriage. They're de- changing the definition of what, what the two sexes were. And they're changing it. They're making all of these things. It's a world around us that's changing. And we feel the pressure. But you know what? God is not changing. And so it's not that you're, you're trying to be ignorant. I said, no, 
God has always been God. He's always had a clear definition of what a man is and what a woman is. And I'm not going to take my time with that. And I, I think you can focus too much on those things. Okay, if you focus on the right, you won't have to battle with those things. Okay, what is the right? You know, maybe if I use this pronoun or that pronoun... I'll tell you what, just get God in your heart. Keep him in front of you. He will lead you. He will guide you in all of these things. So this is, the, this is what's happening all around us. So that's happening in the, in the nation. They're, they're trying to change everything that happens, economics and rules and regulations. And now you have to do this. And I hate rules and regulations. But you, you, know, you, 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 you give yourself to them for a time being. But there's a focus. There's a kingdom coming. So recognize all of this is changing. And you know what? Sometimes it causes ourselves to be affected. We, 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 we become, we're not immune to these things. Proverbs, Proverbs 24, verse 21. Just read this for a moment if we can. <coughs> so here's, here's what the Bible tells us. My son, fear the Lord and the king and meddle not with them that are given to change. Now, that's some good advice. You know, somebody who is, well, it's this way today, it's that way tomorrow. Meddle not with them that are given to change. I want stability in my thinking. I want stability in what I surround myself with. I want the God that is God. I want Him in my thoughts. Let that pervade my thinking. You know, it, 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 there, there's different scriptures we could take. You can, you can read this if you wish later, but Isaiah chapter 36, and it's a story of how the king of Assyria comes against Israel. And he comes and he, he wants to, to speak to them to erode the confidence in what God's program was for Israel. So, so drop down to verse 3. And he, and he says, this Elkahem came and he brought this scribe and this recorder with him, verse 4. And, and he says, now say unto Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein you've trusted? Now, look, look at how he's doing this. this. This king is coming. You know, they're, they're in a... They're, Israel's in a wall, he's coming, he's meeting the king, and he's speaking, and if you actually follow the whole scripture through, he's speaking in the Jews' language. He has not chosen the common Syrian language, he's speaking in the Jews' language so those that are on the wall can hear what he's saying. So the devil comes and he brings somebody in, even within the framework of the message, and he speaks the same message language. And he begins to try to erode confidence. And, you know, well, if this was really so, the minute you start to hear the if, you know what the motive is. And I say, I don't have time for that anymore. I only have one focus. So look at this spirit was there in the Garden of Eden. This spirit is always coming amongst us. And, and so he says, what confidence? Go to the next verse 5. And he says, I say, I have counsel and strength for war. Now, on whom are you trusting? Why are you rebelling against me? This is the king of Assyria. Verse 6. 
You trust in the staff of this broken reed. He's saying, you know, look at you, Israel, like a broken reed. You know, we, we've dealt with Egypt. He says, you know, we, we, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was the same way to all them that trusted on him. Verse 7. And you say, well, we trust in the Lord our God. Oh, how can it be? You got this Hezekiah, and he's taken away all your high places and altars. Well, he was doing a work for the king, is what he was doing. He was taking away idolatry out of Israel. And, and so, he, they're eroding confidence. Friends, it, this, the spirits had come around. And, and I'm saying this, how important is the focus? Okay, take your vision. It's a broad vision, but now begin to focus. Bring it and narrow it down. I don't have time to read the whole thing, but if you actually go down to, uh, I think it is in verse 11, 20, 21, you, you, you can read all of this later, but I think in 21, finally Hezekiah says, don't speak in our language, because the people are all hearing it, and they're losing confidence. Listen, I, I had a, a man who I knew as a minister, and I, I believe the sign thing came out, and, I, and, he, and he said, well, I'm going to go check this out. Within a month, he was completely turned away from the message. Friends, there's spirits on all of these things. And if your faith is just intellectual, I'll say this, do as Brother Branham said. He says, stay in the presence of God, find out yourself, know who God is, and walk with God. I, I, I have to do that more and more. Listen, you, you have, we have all kinds of things. I'm overseas, and somebody asked me about a certain brother from Edmonton. Yeah, he's coming over here and ministering, and I'm going, what's his name? I said, he hasn't been in church in 20 years in Edmonton. And when he was in church, he, he was all over the map. He had this thought, this thought, this thought. You're all asking, wondering who it is. I'm not going to share. But it was all over the map. And I said, and he's coming over here to minister in the name of Edmonton? My goodness, we got nothing to do with him. No, nothing. I, I, I want to see the vision. I want to see a focused vision. I want to see where we're going. Now, I, I don't have time, but Isaiah, of all the prophets, you know, Isaiah is a book that I, I often go to and I go, but look at what God did to Isaiah. Isaiah had his eyes on a man. It was King Uzziah, and he looked up to that man so much, and that king, because he was lifted up, got out of place, and when he got out of place, God smote him with leprosy, and Isaiah had a humbling experience. You read Isaiah chapter 6, and, and he comes in the presence of God, and, and he realizes there's the cherubims, there's the throne of God, there's all of these things. And, 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 and he comes, but you know, God had to bring him back to that place. Oh, I, I will say to every one of us, friends, I, I don't look for a certain something, just look to God. He is your confidence. Isaiah had to come to this place. Paul had to come to this place. Ethan, just put up Philippians chapter 3, verse, verse 3. Paul had to come to this place. Paul, who trusted in himself, he thought he was everything. He thought he was the man of the hour. He trusted in his flesh. He trusted in his learning. He trusted in all of these things. And yet he, he, he had to come and, 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 and come to a place. So he says now, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And he says now in verse 3, we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. 
and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, how could Paul speak this? Because of verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more so. And he begins to tell, I was circumcised the eighth day, I was this, I was this, I was this. But he, he goes on and he says, I had to look away from all of that to see the God that was in the law, that was in all of these things. You know, any man of God wasn't man, much to look at. Jesus, they said about John, what went you out to see? A reed shaken in the wind. This was John. And even Paul would talk of his own ministry later. They say his, his letters are mighty, but his bodily presence is contemptible. So they couldn't see the invisible in that. Even Dwight Moody, when Dwight Moody came to, to England and he was preaching and the newspaper reporter wrote, ah, I don't even know why all these people are coming to him. First of all, he sneezes and wheezes and he doesn't look very good. He doesn't do all these things. And they wrote this whole article and, and they showed it to Dwight Moody and he laughed. He says, certainly not. The people don't come to see me. They come to see God. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I want to see. Yeah. Oh my, there's... There's so much. Now, let me, I want to take just, my goodness, I didn't really go to where I wanted to go to. Now, <coughs> Moses looked out the window. Now, Brother Ben says, now, don't forget this now. Listen to this remark. Faith is designed to see what God wills and wants. There is no knowledge that can do it. Faith alone is designed and given to the human race to find out what the will of God is. And you take your faith that you've got, and if it don't focus on the word, then leave it alone. And now he'll, he'll go on to say this in the same message. Now he's saying, with your God-given faith, focus on the word of God, and you're directly in line and zeroed, God help us in this great hour we live in. Faith is designed to see what God wants. Don't you see it? Through the camera of his word. Now with the faith that's in you, focus on this word. Focus away from denominations and creeds. You're focused on the right word of God. You're zeroed in. Then that prayer flies straight in the presence of God because there's nothing to stop it. You're zeroed in with God. You're focused in. You're looking at the target. Now somebody else will come around. You say, that can't happen. This can't happen. He says, but if you look at the target. He says, focus out all the creeds. Focus all the things that get you mixed up. Confess your unbelief. Take his Holy Spirit. Set your sights on Jesus Christ. If the doctor says so-and-so, it might be good. He's got his place. But don't stop there. The church, it's good. It's got its place. We don't deny it. But he it says it's beyond that. It needs God. And it says those that look to Christ the second time. So in this message, it's actually a message called Look. Brother Bam says this a number of times. Faith is designed to see what God wills and wants. Now, in every age, and I, I won't go into this today, but in every age, God has given a promise for that age. But in the middle of every promise, 
it's always been Christ. In the wilderness, and it said, that rock that followed them was Christ. The Hebrew children that went into a fire, that fourth man was Christ. So I will say to you, look always and see Christ. If you're just trying to compare words or doctrines, or you're looking just at some man or some... Listen, I, I believe you need to be under your parents if you're a child. I believe as you grow up, you need to be under a headship somewhere. I believe you need to make that part of your service to God. I don't believe you just, you're, you're out on your own. But I also believe that you can have a lot of things that come our ways that, that can cause us grief. I, I remember early in my walk, and I'm just, I gotta stop, but early in my walk had a man who came and told me, I was just young, man writing the messages, Oh, you don't know about this? Have you compared all these quotes? Look what these quotes say. It, you should be able to see this certain, certain thing in the message. And I thought, well, I'm going to pray and fast over this. And I set myself to praying and fasting. I'll tell you what, I was in the dumps for about four, three or four months, and finally somewhere I, I caught something in the message, and Brother Branham showed me it's not somebody forcing you. It's God opening himself up to you. And I realize God doesn't put you through the pressure ringer to get you to see something. When he opens it to you, oh, it's glorious. It's yours. I say this, oh, let me see Jesus. I, friends, I, I, I didn't do a very good job of getting this out tonight, but I can have the musicians come. I'm not going to keep you longer. But, but I, I just say this. We all have a place. There's a faith to this age now, I may not have the faith of Brother Branham, because my gift is not Brother Branham, but I've got a certain gift, and you've got a gift, and it may not be the same as mine. You know, I'm, I'm always thankful that God surrounded us with some good singers, because that gift wasn't here. And I, I, I make fun of it, and I joke sometimes, but I'm, I'm grateful for these gifts. And I'm thankful, and you know what? You operate in that channel with this message, and it'll open up things to you. How many appreciated the testimony of Brother Wendell when he talked about his grandfather and the gift that was given? I'll tell you what, that has resonated with me. I'm saying, Lord, you have planted something in every one of us. Now let's take heed how we walk with it. I really want to focus in on, on him, as, I, as James did as he talked in the, in the book, and he just said, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes with the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's immutable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's stand together. Oh, my. It was a little bit broken up, but I, I trust that something was said that helps you. My hope is in the Lord. <coughs> I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord, in whom the wisdom of the ages lie, for whom the raging of the sea subsides. 
the living sacrifice, the only source of life, my home is in the Lord from this time. To meet the sinner in his brokenness To offer healing and forgiveness And those who trust in him They'll find their hearts at any one of us may be going through the greatest battle we are going to go through in this time is a battle of the mind Paul went through a battle of the mind everybody's gone through a battle of the mind but somewhere in the middle of all of that if we can just see our absolute see our North Star if we can see him in the middle of whatever it is I believe that's all we really need and if I can point to him, and I can just encourage you, whatever the enemy is throwing at you, it's designed to try to get your eyes off him. And whatever that is, I just say, look away from it. You know, we, we tell our youth, look away from women, and look away from movies, and look away from all these things. But it's not just looking away, it's looking at something. It's looking at him. Hallelujah. You know, when I see him and when I meet him and when I'm in his presence, oh, I, I come out from that. I don't want to betray that trust. I don't want to mar that with something casual. I, I, I want him to stay with me. I want to take him home with me. And I, I'm, I regret to say many times I've, I've misstepped. The enemy's done that. But I believe if we can just focus, brother, sister, in Acts chapter 17, he is nearer to us than we even believe. The one who made the stars in the heaven. He's so close to us. You might not always feel him. But I just say keep your faith. 
Keep your confidence in yes. Him. I'll, Lord willing, I'll, I'll, I'll come back on this another time, but if you can take that encouragement with you tonight, just look unto Him. Amen. I believe He's there. You will be my song. You know my thought, all that's unspoken. <coughs> you hold the pieces of all that's been broken. Even when a melody won't come. Even when my words are not enough, you will be my song, you will be my praise, you will be my voice when I'm lost for words to say. song. 